1: Hey, welcome, everybody. My name is Peter Pinkasov. Today is November 29th, and this is an exchange takeover of the daily briefing. I am joined by my friend and co-host, Weston Nakamura. Weston, how are you doing?
2: Not too bad. How are you, sir? Good. How was your break? Everything okay? Yeah, yeah. How was your turkey? Expensive?
1: Uh, fattening, But um, <laughs> I was going to make some analogy to how crazy the markets were, because this is the first daily briefing in like, I don't know, like five days, calendar days. So a lot of stuff to cover. Um, most importantly, let's just dive into what happened in the markets. I mean, we got a whole agenda of things. We're going to cover like the last five days in markets, the central land, <laughs> like a piece of uh, virtual land getting bought for $2 million, uh, COVID variants, uh, Turkish lyrics, so a lot of stuff to cover um but let's talk about friday because that was a really interesting and actually kind of a monumental or historic market action day we really haven't seen that kind of volatility in a really long time i think market participants look at variant being the culprit behind that kind of move what are your general thoughts about you know global markets here um the price action from friday and then carrying over into today
2: so um so from okay so equities right um there, there's, there's a general sort of. It's not a myth. It's you know, it's a reality. But um, illiquidity the Friday after Thanksgiving and all that. That uh, I believe applies to obviously the U.S. Treasury market. But I don't think that applies um, not nearly as much, at least, to the uh, equity markets uh, anymore, given the massive uh, growth of retail um, participation in the markets and activity. As well as the fact that institutions are now able to trade from home, this was not the case. I mean, you know, a year ago, yeah, you know, I guess it was sort of the case, but it's that that whole sort of you know infrastructure change. So, um, there was and 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 the, these are not holidays for Asia or Europe either. So, Europe on Friday sold off on massive volume. Um, Euro stocks, tax, you know, uh, the the Nikkei. From futures, from close to close, uh, futures the Nikkei was down five percent in today, uh, also on massive volume. So um, the illiquidity thing, I don't really, you know, I don't really buy. What I think is um, happening is, yeah. So the this this variant is basically, um, you know, it was the the spark that kind of you know lit the the whole the whole place on fire, but. It it didn't really it wasn't because of the fact that it was, you know, pandemic related. It could have really been anything that just so happened to be what shoved everything over the cliff. But things were kind of teetering uh, as it was, um, you know, <laughs> you saw volatility up as, you know, um, spot was uh, on index was coming up. I was talking to uh, Craig Peterson um, from tier one off about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot going on. Kind of setting up for that. It just that you know, it just happened to be this one headline that obviously reversed today. so
1: sure, so you're saying you know it wasn't really um, illiquidity so much because when I as kind of market participants, I look at that Thursday or Friday being a half day, um uh, my first reaction was, okay, yeah, you mentioned like retail is more involved in the market, right? So when I think about that, I think there's more market orders, and that's what really moves markets, right? like the people hitting bids lifting offers. It's a it's a breath game. So my reaction to what you said was um, I thought you were gonna say that okay there's more high frequency activity, there's more market making activity, and they're not backing off the Friday. They're still working, they're all going to work. Is that a fair assessment as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the you know the 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 Citadel algals don't really eat turkey. I don't think so, you know, I mean they eat eat all our turkeys every single day they do. They do um but no the so i think that um so there there is no more retail flow anymore right as as long as there's pay for uh order flow there's no such thing as just pure retail flow because it comes with institutional baggage you're tra- you're not trading on the exchange you're trading off exchange otc against an institution that's institutional order flow that's being kind of ag- that's aggregating millions of orders one call after a time um and you know, in, in aggregate, it's just like a one gigantic asset manager. Um and they're very much, you know, what like what, what else would they be doing? Like of course they're gonna trade volatility on uh you know on a volatile Friday, Friday So um and I think that yeah and I also think that inst like institutional uh active managers are probably uh also if not active, they were certainly watching their screens and ready to, you know, execute orders. Sure. Or, you know, yeah, took the day off, yeah. Yeah,
1: um, cool. So, so I think we're pretty much kind of in agreement to some, some extent about what happened on Friday. What are your thoughts in, you know, kind of, I don't want to use, I don't want to be too short term, but maybe, a, you know, any broad thoughts kind of two days out from here? Was that a quote unquote <laughs> Bible dip? Would you think that, um, you know, there's something actionable here from, from, or do you think that this volatility is just getting started?
2: Yeah, I think um it's funny. Last time I was on with you, you said medium term five days. So your your time frames are hilarious. Um, but uh I think all right, so let's just think about into the end of the year, right? Because this is also what contributed to it, right? S&P was up what 25% or whatever it was, um, basically in a straight line for the entire year. And so if you're um if you work in institutional finance, you're gonna take profit. Especially if other people are starting to take profit to close all your books before bonus season, because why? Why not? Institutional investors uh, don't operate on, you know, they, they might say like, oh yes, we have a five year time horizon or whatever. N- you work on a twelve like, month calendar time frame. Like that's how that's how you are investing and divesting and and, and, and all that, right? Uh, normal people, they obviously we're not going to just sell just because it's de- December or whatever. Um, so, um, but that. You know, I, I think I think that a lot of that came in too. Like people were just like, people are very long right now. Um, they kind of are nervously long, and then just kind of the slightest little, you know, VIX through twenty, and then out. maybe a lot of it's systematic too. Yeah. Um, but going into the end of the year, I think that yeah, I think that you're going to see. Um, I think that you're probably going to see elevated uh, volatility, mm. and um, you're probably going to have um. Swift profit taking, and it one of those times it just might not be met with uh with dip buying. Um, so and, no
1: Santa Claus rally, that's your call
2: for the uh, most part. This Santa Claus rally like mini rallies and mini sell offs mini crashes. Santa uh, Claus crash, okay. So, like range expansion,
1: vol- volatile environment, basically a culmination of what we've seen over the last week and a half, maybe in a more higher frequency.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, I think that we'll probably swing in a huge range. So, where it like ends on the thirty first—that's the last day of trading—I don't know if it's going to be to the upside or the downside. But I think that that band of volatility is going is going to widen out. And one last kind of global markets question: Do you have any
1: view on? Growth or value outperforming. I mean, it's that's more or less a rates call, and we can talk about that when we cover Lira or whatever. But do you, you got any sense of which factor you think might be really strong into year end, or are you sort of agnostic across that? Uh,
2: I'm. So I I was um, I was bullish on you know the Nikkei, but then every single bank strategist started coming out saying that well we are overweight Nikkei, and now so now. So, are they already? So, then, like, now I can't be anymore. And then the the Nikkei, you know, just shed 5% in a day. Um, So, I think that that's a very crowded trade. And I no longer think that it's, you know, that's one
1: of those seasonal trades that always works. And then when it doesn't, everybody runs for the hills. You know what I mean? Like, every five years, like, four out of the five years, that Nikkei long from October into year end is just so good. And then even last year it was just incredible. And then like as soon as you, I think you reversed the entire move of that breakout, and it's just been like a dead trade ever since. Yep. Toyota
2: looked really good, Honda looked really good for a little while. Now all of them look like those charts. Softing, stopping had a twenty-five percent three-day short squeeze. But yeah. I, I always say like Japan is the it's it's the least um, loyal, ca- it's the most disloyal capital. Like people get people buy Japan, not because they not, not out of greed. This is true FOMO. This is if I don't participate to the upside, I'm going to get fired. So they buy it out of fear. But it's the last thing in the portfolio. And it's the first thing out. So you know, just capital. Yeah.
0: you're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lipsyn Ads. Go to LipsynAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N Ads.com.
1: Well, speaking of FOMO, that's, I think that's a good transition into a headline that I saw was that Decentraland somebody bought a plot of digital land on the Metaverse blockchain for 2.43 million dollars. Now I read that headline and it's like I'm reminded of Toys R Us, like KB Toys stuff. Um but at the same time like I'm such a blockchain bull as well, but there are facets within blockchain that I'm just like completely surprised about. Like I'm not too familiar with Decentraland or its utility or maybe maybe it's a fun thing, but what are your thoughts here on on this kind of uh this kind of headline?
2: Um so just to be completely honest with you, and it's this is of course out of my pure ignorance. I have no idea if that's a lot or not. Like, if you throw that figure out there, and like, I don't know what to make of it. Like, it, like maybe that's a maybe that's a massive bargain. Like, I kind of this is this is a very kind of maybe out there um, sort of analogy. But the first thought that actually came to mind was um, like Native Americans. Who basically, you know, sold the island of Manhattan for like fifteen dollars or whatever it was, right? They did that because they were, they were, you know, um, culturally ingrained with like you can't own land. Like this isn't like that's not that's not a concept that they. The, so sure, it's hard to
1: know what you don't know. So,
2: so yeah, yeah it's, it's it's just like yeah, like I'll, I'll say yeah, go ahead, but you know, you oh. buy the sky or whatever. You can't, it was. you can't own that turned, land. That right. like, yeah, no, I'm not saying that that was a, a, a right thing to do, or obviously, I'm not advocating obviously. But that in in that sort of same concept, like I think that you know me not getting it is basically kind of that same. Like I I don't have that sort of mind frame. I'm not saying that the people that are buying them are also getting a spectacular deal either. Sure. Um, but I well, think you that basically we're just, just
1: compared uh, land buyers to colonialists. But continue. I,
2: saying, yeah, I, I suppose I did. If you want to, <laughs> you want to pull words in my mouth. Yes, but uh, no. So so I think I think that. Um, it's just a matter of um it's just perception. It's the same thing. like so like value is 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 all subjective, right? So but for me, i, I I'm so clueless as to what is, you know, uh, genuine value or not. I mean, that's either like an insane amount of money or probably way too little.
1: <laughs> sure. I'm, by the way, in a very, very similar camp. Um, what about this? What, you know, any broad crypto thoughts? Uh, I, I know you're talking a little bit about Mana before this um what are some things you're looking at in the crypto space?
2: Um, so the like a certain cohort of the bitcoin community for some reason really despises this this uh, this chart, this factual chart but uh look just look at crude oil versus um bitcoin That's that's all. like if you want if you want to, if you wanna understand the price price of of bitcoin and therefore other you know Cryptocurrencies that move alongside. Obviously, there is some dispersion here and there. But um yeah, you saw a massive sell-off in both. You saw a massive recovery in both. Um, this is not just the last two days. This is ongoing. Um, I have a chart up on like Twitter for that, but yeah, it's uh, so um the, I'm always trying to find what um as it gets more and more institutionalized, I'm trying to find what is uh what kind of assets are correlated to it. And no, they're not uh always permanent. No, they're not always even like correlations yeah. or correlations. I get all that too. Um, the one thing I will say though is, Ether futures are coming in about what six days. The
1: um, micro maybe. ones,
2: right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the micro. Yeah, yeah not the futures already exist. Yeah, so um, maybe that will be um, uh, a turning point, or you know, um, or or a you know a sell at this point. The, the but the the last uh, CME listed Ethereum product. Tend to do well, and the, BT, the BTC ones tend to crash the <laughs> pretty details. poorly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, no. I, I think
1: the last time we talked about crypto together, Tezos was like four and a half. I was like, I love Tezos, XTZ. I think it ran all the way to nine in the next month. And now it's all the way back to, I mean, it's up like 25% today. But here it is again. Uh, I'm looking at some of these altcoins that are really getting some pretty powerful. Um, investments into them across not only you know NFT spaces but infrastructure and dApps, et cetera. I don't know. It's just it's it's one of those things that I think you can make that decentralized analogy about it's hard it's hard to know what you don't know across a lot of these things. And that's why you have exponential growth is because there's so much uncertainty. Um, so anyway, maybe that's a good transition into um, currencies and talking about Turkish Turkish lira. But before we do that, Let's play a clip from a Lynn Alden series that's on the Real Vision Pro and Plus tiers, where she covers this kind of uncertainty about um, currencies. So let's take a look at that.
3: When we're in an environment where your savings account and your checking account are yielding below the inflation rate and where they fail to preserve your purchasing power over time, we, we historically started to see speculative behavior. So this is something that you know developed markets in many ways are encountering for the first time uh, for, you know, a couple of generations. But when we go back in history, this is really a challenging environment for people to navigate because the, the unit of account, the money that they use itself has becomes questionable. And so they start, you know, monetizing other assets. Uh, and so especially in this, in this online culture, it becomes rather funny, but it ultimately is a very serious topic. And so when I'm asked about 2022, I often think that, you know, whether or not that year turns out a certain direction, I, I think the whole, the, the bigger question is what's going to happen to the 2020s decade, because any one year might be an anomaly especially when you have these big changes it's never linear it's never with low volatility and so one year could be all the trades that worked the prior year stop working only to start working again the next year um and so at least you know there, there's all sorts of risk management approaches for how people navigate those environments um but my main focus is on the big picture so i think 2022 we'll see a cooling off of some of the things you've seen in 2021. Uh, most likely it depends on all sorts of policies that are maybe outside of our control or forecast at this moment. But I think the bigger theme, long term, as we look, you know, towards the end of this decade, and and you know, during that process towards it, is that we're clearly having a transformation in what money is and how we interact with money and what assets that we monetize as we as we kind of preserve value from one system to another.
1: So that was a clip from the Lynn Alden series about uh, cryptocurrencies. I think that was a specific interview with Luke Roman, which is actually a pretty fascinating. I think it's about an hour long. Again, available for a pro and plus members. Weston, uh, Lynn Alden talked about this idea about currencies basically losing their value and divestment and a flight to quality and safety. But Lynn, she was talking about a timeline of like 10 years out. And what I want to do is talk was ask your thoughts about the Turkish lira, because that has rallied like 10%, 15%, and the volatility of 150% in, I don't know, like three or four days. Um, and this is a real-time example. This isn't a 10-year or five-year kind of yep. event. This is happening literally in a month. Um, what's going on in the Turkish lira?
2: Well, so you're exactly right. Like, So what should... She's she's absolutely right too. Like she what she's saying about you know you have to look over a long term time horizon. There might be one year so that's sort of like a you know an aberration or whatever it is. Uh, the Turkish lira is has been doing this scenario that she's talking about like this future scenario. It's been doing that since two thousand eighteen. Um, I remember very like watching that very closely at the time. This is when I was uh, trading floor monkey, but like. It it was incredible. The thing is August. It was just incredible to see, like you know, like thirty percent um, in two day moves on, on USDTRY upwards. And so basically, what it comes down to is President Erdogan of Turkey is the uh, head of HR, as I used to as I used to call him. Now he's now he's just basically the the governor of the central bank. Um, and he today, even today, he reiterated his, this view that he has that um, raising interest rates. Not only does that not um you know combat inflation, it causes inflation. Um Turkey has anywhere from a government reported 20% CPI to upwards of 50% from um other estimates from third party estimates. It's just it's very bad, right? So mm-hmm. uh what we get to do in the in, in the West and sort of like state with stable currencies, be it you know, dollar, euro, yen, whatever. Um we get to debate inflation, whether it's transitory, whether it's not, and yes, like there is inflation. Maybe not where I am, but like where where you are, everywhere else. Um, but you're not at a point where you are you're seeing your you know your 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 life melt away. Like on a, when you wake up and you fifty, your entire country like 15 percent wiped out of like you know it's um it's it's the value. So, um, so that's what Turkey is going through right now, and um, they're rushing into I'm sorry. They're not rushing into. They're rushing the hell out of the lira, um, just into anything really. So that's why you know uh, mana or decentraland or avalanche. Those are the two top cryptos uh, that they're rushing into because I think that they're already fully loaded long uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. They have been since uh, for 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 years now. Um, but the lira is something that everybody needs to. Pay attention to if you are an equity investor, if you are a rates or a credit investor, if you are watching central banks, central bank independence, and governance, all that kind of thing, just for relative context, um, you, if you are um, obviously an FX trader, um, and certainly if you're a crypto um, you know involved in the crypto crypto community, um, you absolutely the, the the lira directly impacts. Like all, all of these assets, um, you know. In do the do you think
1: world. that's why there was a pop in gold um, a couple of weeks ago? It was like late last week. We had a really significant rally. Do you think that was more of uh, currency flows get coming out of lira? I'm just looking for a place to park, and it was just uh, the obvious kind of place to put money.
2: So. Um- the it's very it's very tough to to tell. Um, I've so I've been trying to watch like on a day to day basis for a, a long time now. But so when le- this last year, like you know, was it about fourteen months ago or so? When gold uh, ran up through its twenty eleven high through two thousand and then upwards, right? That was the CBRT. That was the Central Bank Republic of Turkey buying gold. They basically had um, used their uh, FX reserves to support the lira. And then they decided to just say, all right, screw it. And then they just started buying gold. They drove gold up. Then they basically put did their little side door tightening on what was it August 4th or something? It was like a, it was like a Thursday evening. That was the top tick of gold. And then you see um uh, gold crash. So in 2020, Turkey was the largest buyer of gold in the world. Turkey was also, also in that quarter was the largest seller of gold, too. So, like that's very possible. You just need to you know, buy more than you sold, but they're basically the central bank is day trading the gold, and so the when you see like gold is not participating in it with like real rates and inflation and all that it's because there's a there's a massive central bank out there that is liquidating their gold holdings um yeah. and and screwing that up so you know I, I think so when the when like you know you would think that gold would rise, that's when you that's when you get central banks selling into it, right Um mm. Um, right, because they're blocking that natural
1: shift yeah. of where gold should go. Right. It, and I've definitely noticed that's a really great observation. I've definitely noticed that um, you know, the, the real rates correlation is done. That hasn't worked in a year and a half. You know, like it marginally works, but like real rates rally like crazy and gold does nothing. Like it's been doing nothing. So that's a that's a really fascinating observation.
2: It, it, it doesn't work when you have the well, like the number nine, number tenth largest holder of gold liquidating their positions. Sure. Like, uh, Like like at market, Um, there's a chart basically that I want to illustrate this with. Um, So you know, Raul always talks about like um, the he's he's like bullish long term on like you know the Nasdaq or equities, but not necessarily because um, he believes that you know like equities will will rise in value. It's more so um, kind of like a, a hedge against a weakening currency or a depreciating currency because of too much. You know, central bank money printing or commercial bank money, however you want to phrase it, whatever it is, um, and the deba- the debasement of currency, right? The the de- denominator effect. So this is like a concept I think that some people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. This is actually happening right now in real time, so it's kind of very easy to to see. So if you look at this chart, so Brian, it's like chart number one here. This is um, the BIST one hundred. So this is the the Istanbul. This is the Turkish stock exchange, right? This is the S and P of Turkey, if you will. Um, it is on fire, as you can see. It's like the, the last month; it's up twenty, thirty um, so percent. Looks spectacular. Why is that happening? Is it because the Turkish equities are suddenly worth like a, like this breakout, you know, uh, level? Or, or mm, probably not, right? And the reason, the way you could tell is if you go to chart two, um, you'll see that TUR is the iShares US listed USD denominated. Uh, basically, holding the same assets, the same companies, right? Um, it's not gonna be the exact same composition, but it's more or less the same. And you'll see that they are actually up the same percentage that they the other one is down. Um, and why did they kind of just split apart like that? Well, if you go to chart, create, currency effects, yep. There is it's the the lira just got destroyed, or the USD just rallied against, against it. Against yeah, and 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 so the actual like. Uh, the Turkish like like equities, they're not actually doing anything, but mm. what they're being denominated in is getting weaker, and therefore the prices of those equities goes up. So yeah. this is what he's talking about. This is what you this is what you're seeing in, in real time. Yeah. So like the, like Turkey's been on fire, but it's really not in like real USD terms.
1: Thank you, Weston, for explaining that. Uh, really interesting phenomenon. Going on. Let's move over to some questions. Um, Andrew M from uh, the exchange asks: I'd love to hear an update on Weston about all things Japanese trading, given their own new PM and continuing slowdown in China, um, and the Fed's posturing to new COVID scare. What are traders doing? <laughs> what are the housewives doing? What's the outlook here for the Nikkei, yen, and crypto? I mean, you covered a, a lot of that, but uh, what's your general sense about um, you know what's going on in Japan right now? Um.
2: From a market so, standpoint, yeah. So, um, so like, yeah, retail traders are still there's Japan has they're sitting on 14 trillion in, in household cash, like, there, there's plenty of like you know, um, you know, ammo. Um, they're also sending out checks to 18 year olds, so like half that's going to go to crypto, half that they're going to spend. <laughs> so, um, but uh, there's something that I keep forgetting to bring up too, which is that something very significant, which is that the GPIF, which is the government pension fund, the largest uh, government pension fund in the world, 1.7 trillion in uh, USD in assets. Um, they, this is not really recently, but I guess maybe like a month ago or so, they officially um, they officially said that they're not going to um, like follow the FTSE index and have Chinese bonds um, in their allocation as per their as per their benchmark is supposed to, but they're going to break with that. I'm talking about Chinese government bonds, right? Like I'm not even talking about like Chinese credit, like, you know. And so now that's very interesting because if the largest pension fund, if the largest government pension fund is saying we don't have to buy Chinese um uh, bonds, you know, Chinese like sovereign bonds, BlackRock, you don't have to either. Or anyone else who says like, you know, Jake Morgan, whoever it is, like, who's who's long and who says, like, we must be in this. No, you don't have to. So they kind of set this like precedence where it kind of gave a um, an option of like, no, you you are choosing to like you're not. Nobody has a gun go to your head. So I think that that's going to um, that might reverberate um, and and play out um, in 2022, 2022, Yeah, and and, and onwards.
1: Cool. Um, next question is from Christopher. Y. Uh, this one's actually for me. Um, thank you for keeping uh, real Vision exchange dialogue alive. Intriguing, fantastic platform for. Brain and for Brain Dump and Storm, he's talking about uh, Christopher is talking about the exchange. Of course, if you're a realverse member, hop on. It's a great uh, message board kind of style format where we exchange ideas, um, talk about markets, etc. Anyway, um, what do you think uh, about uh, Treasuries over the last several weeks? How are you positioned um, your long bond posture? What is your growth outlook? So, yeah, I think the fixed income side, especially Treasuries, they're just it's just like a ping pong game right now. You got NFP on Friday, NBA mortgage applications on Friday. Um, um, Wednesday, actually, um, and ISM on Wednesday as well. So these are three really big things for fixed income. Um, I think top-line reactions are going to persevere. So you're probably going to get a really strong job number for the last month. But if you keep getting these del- uh, these uh, um, variant headlines, that's probably going to trend. That's probably going to be a weaker um, January drop number. So, my kind of gut instinct is like the first reaction is going to be, uh, you know, treasuries falling, and then they might start to find a bid after like a couple of days of selling. So, I think the risk war is probably still to um, the upside on the fixed income. Um,
2: Isn't another there another ceiling this week.
1: I'm yeah. And, and by the way, we're running out of money too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple more questions. Um, Mark from uh, on the Real Vision website asks thoughts on Twitter as an acquisition candidate now that Jack Dorsey is out. I think that it was probably the smartest decision that Jack Dorsey ever made as CEO of Twitter to leave um, Twitter because uh, Square and Cash App are blowing up, and he seems really enthusiastic and um, passionate about the space. And he should honestly concentrate a lot of those efforts there. But Weston, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, I think he might be referring to that uh, interview with Raoul and uh, Scott Galloway, if that's what he is referring to. Um, which I thought was a pretty interesting idea. Personally, I I take that the Jack Dorsey out as um, Trump will be getting his Twitter account back soon. <laughs> Seriously, that's funny. And he's and like so he doesn't want you know he doesn't want to. That's a lose lose. Like so he's. It's a part-time CEO, what you know? Like, I don't, I don't need this. So, you know. Griff asks, is Weston doing
1: anything with SoftBank? Any trades you trade to got, Weston?
2: Um, I'm, I'm currently in the middle of moving, and so I have to change my SoftBank like Wi-Fi. That's that's as much as I'm doing with. So, softbank. are
1: you moving into Ash Bennington's
2: apartment? Is that what's no. going on? No, he's he's been. I've been airbnb the the whole time. You've been seeing him on like you know on RVDB. That's my this is my place. I don't understand what <laughs> like, like what why why is you know this is not weird. This is my place. It's weird that he's been there for so for so long this entire time.
1: That's great. Well, on that note, um, I think that's it. Any any closing thoughts, Wes, anything we you think we uh, should cover real quick or
2: um well on a real comment on SoftBank though. Um, mm-hmm. SoftBank is. Um, it's it is sort of a, it's kind of like it is like a a weird arc, you know. So if you ever find yourself wanting to get arc like exposure, <laughs> um, you can do it through SoftBank, um, but just make sure that there is a buyback behind it. If there is no buyback running, just don't don't, don't do that. Just buy arc at the highs. Um, if you're going to, but um, but otherwise, software can really do can really rip though, um, and make sure that it, when it is ripping, like acknowledge that it's it's a short cover. If it's going thirty percent in two days, take your profit. That's also about SoftBank.
1: Yeah, cool. Uh, Weston, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in, and we will see you next time.
4: Really exciting news is we're taking over Las Vegas on December the ninth to the eleventh. We're joining forces with MGM themselves at the world-famous MGM Grand, using their venues around Las Vegas itself, some of the best venues in the whole of the city, iconic places, to hold these incredible events. It's going to be all about the biggest revolution since the internet, blockchain. So join us at The Takeover in Las Vegas. I'm going personally. It's the first event I've been to in 21 months, realvision.com forward slash the takeover there's some tickets left or there's a possibility to participate in the online version the virtual event as well i'm going to kick it all off with an interview with one of my favorite people in the world one of the best thinkers the unique talent bill Tai. so join us in las vegas for the takeover there we go king of the one takes